You're listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas to all of you. Welcome once again. I'd just like to take a few minutes to talk about what Christmas is all about and, uh, and reflect on these things. We're so glad that you're here with us to sing and to celebrate the fact that Jesus has come into the world to be our Savior. And one of the things that's unique about Christmas is of all the holidays on our calendar, of all the seasons of the year that we celebrate, one of the things that makes Christmas unique is that Christmas uniquely has a sense of anticipation, doesn't it? It has this great, huge buildup that comes to it every single year. I mean, how many of you guys, you're like uh, August eggnog drinkers, right? Like as soon as August starts, you're like, yep, Christmas is right around the corner, time to break out the eggnog. I know that some of you guys, I know some of you guys are, you know, the September Christmas music listeners, like my wife, I have to tell her, honey, uh, you know, Christmas music is good and all, I like Christmas music in December, like, uh, you know, like sane people do, but uh, she doesn't agree with me, she likes Christmas music uh, earlier in the year, and, you know, so we do what we can. But uh, some people, you know, there's this big buildup starting August, September, you know, stores start decorating the first week of November. So even, you know, wherever you go in town or whatever you do for your things, you know, there's two months, literally, of anticipation and buildup to this day, this event. I know that my kids, for example, have been counting the days, literally, on their calendar with check marks and numbers, right? Like, waiting for the day to come. We've been doing an advent calendar, you know, getting ready, reading the scripture and counting down the days to Christmas. And that's one of the unique things about Christmas is this sense of anticipation that's like no other time of the year, no other holiday that we have. Let me ask how many of you are like the the people who go up in the mountains and cut down your own Christmas tree? Anybody? Like I have these friends, right? Here's what they do. They drive two hours past plenty of grocery stores that sell trees for very cheap right? And they drive two hours up into the mountains and they trudge through the snow past hundreds of other identical trees until they find the perfect tree. And then they cut it down and they bring it home because they want to feel like they earned it, right? Because it doesn't feel like Christmas unless one of your kids gets frostbite from retrieving the tree. That way you feel like it's really Christmas. We really earned it. Here it is. And so what do you do? You bring that tree back to your house and you start preparing it right? You start putting all these presents underneath it. And again, that builds that sense of anticipation, that sense of waiting and looking forward to something. I don't know about your family, but I know my kids for weeks now have been shaking boxes, feeling things from all kinds of angles, you know, just trying to figure out what are these gifts. And it's this sense of anticipation. And what, what is this all about? Why all these presents? Why the tree? Why all this preparation? Why all this anticipation? Well, a few minutes ago, we read the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke, and I hope you enjoyed that. We read it in four different languages, and the reason is because our theme is joy to the world. We want you to understand very much that the Gospel is for all nations. It's for all people. It's not just for us. It's for all of us in the world. And so we read in this story there in the Gospel of Luke that a baby was born, pretty much the most uh, normal thing that you could read. Here in this town, babies were born today. Babies were born in towns all over this world Uh, What was unique about this? Because at this story, something different happened that doesn't usually happen. A whole host of angels gathered and began singing a song. They began praising God out loud. They began announcing things. And there were these shepherds in the fields. And they, they do something which is not normal for shepherds to do. They leave their flocks you don't just leave your flocks out in the field. And they, they go into town and they make sure that it was how, how the news said it was. 
Why was it? Here was what was proclaimed. He said, behold, we bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people. It's one of my favorite Christmas phrases, by the way. I think it really sums up what Christmas is all about. Good news of great joy for all people. And they say, here's why. Because for to you, this day is born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So for the next few minutes, I'd just like to talk to you about not just what happened. We know what happened. We read that. We know the story. But I want to talk to you about why it happened, the meaning of Christmas, what it meant then, and what it means for us today. When you read the Christmas story, there are three big questions that you should ask when you read that phrase, good news of great joy for all people. Let's ask the three obvious and important questions. Number one, why was Jesus' birth good news? Why was Jesus' birth good news? Number two, why does it bring great joy to people? Why does this news bring great joy to people? And number three, how can we get that joy ourselves? So that Christmas isn't just an abstract thing that is outside of us. How can we get it inside of us so we can really appreciate and truly know what Christmas is about? So let's look at those questions. Number one, why was Jesus' birth such good news? Here's the answer. One of our answers. We're going to have two. The news of Jesus' birth was good news because it was highly anticipated. The birth of Jesus was good news because it was highly anticipated. You see, it's actually very appropriate that in our celebration of Jesus' birth, there's so much anticipation built into it because you need to understand that at the very first coming, the very first Christmas, there was so much anticipation, so much more than what we even experience. It was highly anticipated for years, really generations, even millennia, generation after generation had been waiting for, looking forward to the coming of a person, one person who would come and be the savior of the world. In fact, we know that from the very beginning of human history, as long as human beings have been around, people have been looking for and hoping for and waiting for someone who could come and make right everything that is wrong in this world. And maybe you ask me, well, well what do you mean? What, what kind of things are you talking about? What did people feel that they needed to be saved from? What are the wrong things in this world that need to be made right? Well, think about it like this. Every day you drive in your car and you listen to the, to the news. You, you pull up the app on your phone. You scroll through the news on your phone. You, you watch the TV at night maybe and you hear the news. And how often as you scroll the news, as you hear it, as you watch it, how often do you come across things where you say, that's not the way it should be. Where you say, that might be how it is, but it's just not right. That might have happened, but it shouldn't have happened. That might be how people are, but it's not the way they should be. You hear about sickness, you hear about death, you hear about disease, you hear about violence, poverty, corruption, suffering, and there's this thing inside of us that says, maybe that's how it is, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it ought to be. It's not the way it should be. And you know what the Bible would say about that feeling that all of us innately have? It would say that that feeling is absolutely correct. That it's the absolute right feeling that we should feel. Because here's the thing, we were not made for death and darkness. We were made for light and life and joy. And from the very beginning of human history, there's been this longing within us to get back to that place where we've never been, but we instinctively know that that's our true home. Where we say that's the way things ought to be. There's been this desire for a savior, a person who would come and set right all that is wrong with the world. And throughout history, God had promised not only that he would send a savior, but interestingly, progressively, he would reveal one more little piece of information, 
right? And so as time went on to each generation, he would reveal a little bit more about who this Savior would be, what he would be like, how to recognize him when he comes. A little nugget here, and then the next generation would get another little bit. And over time, what came together, like pieces of a puzzle, that on their own don't make any sense, right? They're, they're totally incomprehensible if you just look at one piece of the puzzle. It's not a picture on its own, but as you begin to put those pieces of the puzzle together, they actually form this picture that starts to make sense. God would reveal little information, right? That the, this is what the child's gonna be like. You know, something we do at our, our house, especially this year, we did an Advent calendar, and in that calendar, there were Bible readings for every day. And so with our kids, we would read these readings, and I would ask them, well, do you know what that meant? And usually they'd be like, especially at the beginning, they're like, no. I mean, that was just some weird verse, you know, it's like 3,000 years old, and I don't know what it means. And I would say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Check it out. Every day, as we read these passages, we're just going to start to make a list, and we're just going to say, okay, what did we learn from that verse? And we're going to write it down. And it'll be like that puzzle piece, which doesn't make any sense on its own. But as we put them together, they start to form a picture. And so that's what we did. And, and said, okay, well, well, here's the first one that we read. That he'll be a child who will be born of a woman, and he will crush the head of Satan. Okay, so that's what we know. We write those things down. Then we learn something else. He's going to be a descendant of Abraham. Then we learn that he'll be a descendant of David and that he won't only be a descendant of David, he'll be a king in the line of David and he'll rule on a throne that will last forever. And then we learn a little bit more. We learn that not only will he be a king, a child, all these things, but he will actually be God. His name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's said of him that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. He's going to be a child, and he's also going to be God. Are you sure? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, well okay. And, and it says, well, he'll be born. Well, he'll be born in the town of Bethlehem. He'll ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. His mom will be a virgin. That's different, right? That doesn't usually happen. And during his life, he is going to suffer and die. Well, how does that work? Because I thought he was going to be a savior who was going to live forever. What do you mean he's going to suffer and die? How's he going to save us and live forever if he dies? But I don't know, but I got to write it down on my list because that's how lists work, right? And so pretty soon, before you know it, we've got this long list of all these things that describe what this one, this savior, is going to be like and how we'll recognize him when he comes. And so there's this growing anticipation and there would have been throughout the centuries, building up to this day that we read about here in the Gospel of Luke, this growing anticipation with each generation, with each year, when will God finally send this one he's been promising, this one he's been telling us about, giving us little glimpses of here and there, when will he finally send the one who will set all things right? And one of the things that some of the prophets would do, the prophets of Israel, here's what they would do. They would look forward to that day when the, the Savior would come and they would talk about it. They would say, when he comes, this is what it's going to be like. This, and, you know, it wasn't yet in their day, but they looked forward and they talked about it in the present tense as if it was happening. Like, for example, Isaiah the prophet wrote this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What is he telling us? Well, what he's telling us is that the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. Who are these people who dwell in this land of deep darkness? It's us. We are those people. We live in that land of deep darkness under the shadow of death. 
In the Chronicles of Narnia, if you've read it in the, in the first book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know there's this land called Narnia, and Narnia is under a curse. And because of that curse that it's under, it's perpetually winter, perpetually cold, perpetually dark. And here's how C.S. Lewis described Narnia. He said, it was always winter, but never Christmas. And that's a description of the world that we live in, always winter, but never Christmas. You know, it's interesting. One of the reasons we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, you're like, well, that's Jesus' birthday. I bought him a cake. We blow out the candles. You know, it's hard to buy that many candles, but I just buy thousands of candles, right? No, no. Why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? Now, I hope I'm not ruining Christmas for you, but that's probably not when Jesus was born, like almost for sure not when he was born. Here's why we know that is because it says that there were shepherds out in the field at night and shepherds, even in Israel, it's a desert. It gets cold at night in the winter, so they they usually don't hang out at night in the winter outside. So, you know, most likely that's not when it was. Why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? Well, here's why. Because the church fathers, way back in the day, right, like a long time ago, they said, well, we don't know exactly when Jesus was born, but we want to celebrate his birth. We call it the incarnation, when God took on human flesh. And since we don't know when it was, well, then we'll just celebrate on it. We'll just choose a day. And they said, well, you know when would be the best day to celebrate it? It would be December 25th. And here's why. Because that's the darkest time of the year. And after that, things start to get lighter. They start to get brighter. The cold of winter starts to give way to the warmth and the the blooming of spring and the warmth of summer. And so that's why it was a symbolic reason why we celebrate Christmas on the day that we do. The second reason why Jesus' birth was good news is this. Light had come into our darkness. Light came into our darkness. That's why it was good news. The birth of Jesus was good news because we live in a land of deep darkness. We live in a broken world. But you know what? It's actually even worse than that. I mean, because I think we would all agree. We live in a world that is broken, where things are not the way that they should be. But let me tell you this. It's not just the world that's broken. Do you know that? It's not just that brokenness and Bad things are something around us, outside of us. But here's the thing. This darkness is so pervasive that it has even gotten into us. You see, that darkness is inside of us. We don't only need to be saved from the darkness that is outside of us. We actually need to be saved from the darkness that is inside of us. See, we ourselves, even on our best days, you and me both, we know that we're not the people we should be. We're not the people we ought to be. We fall short of even our own standards, much less God's standards. And so it's not only that we need to be rescued from darkness that is out there somewhere in the world. We need to be saved from the darkness that is within each of us, bound up in our very hearts. The reason why the birth of Jesus was such good news is because it meant that into our darkness, light had come. And finally, after this anticipation, after this waiting, finally, the day had come. That's what we read about here in the Gospel of Luke. The day that all of humanity had been waiting for since the birth of humanity itself, the day had finally come. That's the reason why the angels sang. That's the reason why the shepherds left their flocks in the field and came in to town to see if what was said was actually true. And when they saw it, it says that they rejoiced and praised God. Isaiah the prophet, again, looking forward to that day when the Savior would come and anticipating it. Here's what he said in Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness all the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen by you. And nations shall come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. Check out what it says next. 
Then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and exult. They shall bring gold and frankincense and good news and the praises of the Lord. That's exactly what happened. We know that people came from far and wide. We know about these wise men who came from the east bringing good news that the Savior had been born and they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. By the way, do you ever think about what was, what was the story with those gifts? Like why did they bring those gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm sure like, um, you know, Mary was kind of like, oh great, hey, thanks for gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I was kind of hoping for like blankets, uh, diapers, and a crib, but I guess this will be fine. Thanks. I always kind of think to myself, probably the wise men were just like single guys, bachelors, never been married. They've never been around kids very much because they go to the store and they're like, I don't know, what are you going to give them? The guy's like, I got cash, right? And you're like, oh man, that's what we all wanted to give him. Everybody loves the uncle who gives you some cash on Christmas, right? And so the other guy's like, I'll get him some frankincense. It's basically like perfume, right? He's the uncle who gives you perfume on Christmas. And the other guy's like, I don't know, uh, I'll just uh, get him some myrrh. I'm sure he'll like that. Kids probably love that stuff. So they said, done. Check Checklist is over. Shopping's done. Let's just get on our way and be done with it. See, frankincense, kind of a weird gift to give a baby. I have kids. I don't know if you have kids, but you give them some frankincense, they don't know what to do with it. They just, they're not good at playing with it. They don't enjoy it. Um, what is myrrh anyway, by the way? Anybody know? Well, I do, and I'm going to tell you in just a second. So just store that away, and I'm going to tell you in just a minute. So stick with me. But here, here's the news of Jesus' birth. Here, here's why it was such good news. Because for all of history, humanity, human beings have been waiting for a Savior. God has been promising a Savior for thousands of years, one who will bring light into the darkness of our world. And now that day has come. Jesus has been born, and it's going to change everything. So that brings us to a second question we have to ask, which is this. Why does this good news give people such great joy? Here's the answer. Because it means that all of the things that are wrong in this world, all the things that cause sadness and grief are going to end. This is why the good news of Jesus is good news. I'm going to say it again because I need to hear it myself. I'll tell you that. All of the things that cause us sadness and grief are going to end. See, Jesus came to turn off the dark. That's what light does. It shines in the dark and it turns off the dark. Wherever light shines, darkness disappears. Light turns off the dark. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus is referred to as the true light which has come into the world. And it says this, that that light shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Wherever light shines, that's what it does. It drives out darkness. Jesus is the true light who has come into the world to do exactly that. See, the reason the news of Jesus gives great joy to people is because it means that all of the things that cause us sadness and grief are going to end. All the things that cause us sadness and grief are going to end. One of the metaphors that the Bible uses to describe where we're at this side of Christmas is the metaphor of dawn. Do you ever think about dawn? Like you ever stay up really late? You know what's interesting? You stay up really late here in Longmont. I do it sometimes. Around three o'clock, there's this train that rolls through. And I don't know if you guys ever hear it. Right at three o'clock, right? So anyway, if you ever stay up really late in, in the night or you wake up really early in the morning, you get to experience dawn. It's that transitional time between the darkness of night and the light of day. And dawn's a really interesting time because at dawn, it is neither fully night, nor is it fully morning. It's this in-between time when darkness and light, night and day, exist at the same time. But neither of them are in full force, right? So the darkness isn't as dark as it used to be, and yet the light is not as light as it will be. And the Bible says this is a picture of what it means. Jesus has come in as the light of this world. He has come in as the beginning of the dawn. And you know what the interesting thing about dawn is? 
Once the dawn begins, once that first light comes over the horizon, there's no turning it back, right? It's not like dawn starts and then stops and goes back to night, never. Always the dawn begins, that first light comes into the world, into our day, right? And what happens? Well, it's not the fullness of day yet, but it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. It will be soon and very soon that that light will increase until the sun crests the horizon and the new day begins and it drives out all of that darkness. And the Bible says that is exactly a picture of what has happened with the coming of Jesus, the light of the world, into our world. Darkness and light still exist side by side where we live now in the dawn, but the day is coming when all the darkness will be gone and all the things that cause sorrow and grief will end forever. Do you know that's good news? That is really good news. I, I had a friend text me earlier uh, last night and today. He's spending Christmas in the hospital. His dad is experiencing the end of his life. He's kind of crashing and then they bring him back and he's on machines and it's just really a matter of time, uh, matter of days before his dad will pass away. And that's how he's spending his Christmas. But you need to know this, that this message is what gives him hope. This is the reason he can have joy, even in the midst of a situation like that, because this is the message of Christmas, that all of the things that cause sorrow and grief are going to end one day. This is the message of Christmas for my friend. It's so real, it's so tangible, that one day he is going to see his father again in full health. He will embrace him. He will have no lack of time to spend with him. Don't we experience that? That we just never seem to have enough time for the things that we really want to have time for. And the promise of Christmas is that one day, all of those things that cause us sorrow and grief are going to end because Jesus came. That is why it is such good news that brings us so much joy. The news of Jesus coming also gives us joy here and now. And here's why. Because it means that we can be forgiven of everything we've ever done wrong. And we can be made right with God and have fellowship with God. The message of Christmas is that God loves you so much that he has gone to the greatest of heights, the, the longest of lengths, in order that you might know him and have a relationship with him. Do you remember that, that weird gift I talked about, right? The myrrh. And I said, well, what's myrrh? Well, I, I know what myrrh is, and I can't wait to tell you. You know what myrrh is? Myrrh is actually an ointment that they would use to prepare dead bodies for burial. Now think about that. That's kind of a weird thing to give a baby, right? Like, hey, uh, baby shower time. Here is a prepaid funeral. Well, thank you. That's very practical, but also very inappropriate. Like if, if I show up and uh, to your baby shower, you know, it's not really something you can buy at Babies R Us, right? Like embalming fluid or like, you know, a prepaid funeral. Like, uh, you know, if I show up to your baby shower and I bring you a gift card for a prepaid funeral, you're probably not going to be very excited about that. You'll probably be sort of upset. Now, why would these people give this baby an embalming fluid that's used for preparing dead bodies for burial? Perhaps it was because they understood what this king had come to do. Perhaps it's because they understood that it was through death that he would accomplish his purpose and his mission. I don't know if they understood that or not. But I do know this, that several years after this, this baby, having grown up, at the height of his uh, mission, the climax of his life, he would ascend not a throne, but a cross. He, would come, he had come to take our place, to take on the evil, the suffering, the death, all the consequences that we should have experienced because of our turning away from God. And he did it so that we could be reconciled to him, that we could have a relationship with him and fellowship with God. The reason we give gifts at Christmas is because at Christmas we remember it's all about the fact that God gave us the greatest gift, 
God's gift to you wasn't put under the tree. It was put on the tree of Calvary. God's gift to you wasn't a present. It was a person. It was himself. See, the Christmas child, Jesus, came into our world. He died on a cross. And on that cross, he paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could have the joy of being forgiven and the joy of having fellowship with God. And that brings us to our third and final question, which is this. How can we get that joy ourselves? So that Christmas isn't just something that we celebrate and then move on to the next part of the year, but that Christmas is inside of us. That Christmas joy is inside of us. How can we be sure that we experience these wonderful things that Christmas is all about that make it a cause for rejoicing? Well, in the Gospel of John, John, as he's talking about the birth of Jesus, there in John chapter one, he says this. To all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And at the end of his gospel, at the very end, you know what he says? I've written these things to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. In other words, the way to get this Christmas joy is by believing in Jesus. Now maybe you say, and I think you should say, well, what does that even mean? Like, what does that mean? Do I need to just believe that he existed? Does it mean that I have to believe that what the Bible says about him is true? Well, actually, not, not really. What, what this word believing means is something very specific. It's an action, by the way. It's an active word. And here's what it means. It means to cling to, to rely upon, to trust in, to adhere to something. That's what this idea of believing means. And so that's what it's talking about. This is how we get this Christmas joy, by looking to Jesus, who he was, what he did, and not only understanding it, not only believing that it was true, but trusting in it, clinging to it, relying on it, adhering to it. How do you get that Christmas joy? By seeing the gospel and trusting in it, relying on it, clinging to it, clinging to Jesus and what he did for you. If you do that, then you can know the true joy of Christmas, the joy that comes from knowing that you are right with God, that your sins are forgiven, that you're loved and accepted, the joy that comes from knowing that everything that causes sorrow and grief in this world is going to end. And I'll just say this. I want you to know this, that the hope of Christmas does not come without a caveat. It does not come without a caveat. It's not just joy for all people arbitrarily or without caveats. Here's what it is. This is the joy that comes as a result of believing the good news in this way clinging to it, relying on it, trusting in it by faith. The way that you can experience Christmas joy in full measure is by trusting in, clinging to, relying on Jesus and what he did for you. And I pray that you would do that this Christmas and truly experience the fullness of Christmas joy. Amen? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this joy that we have because of you. And I pray for my friends, my brothers and sisters who are gathered here tonight, Lord, that we would experience that joy in fullness that we would truly embrace it, take hold of it, that, Lord, it would be inside of us. Lord, thank you that you came to turn off the dark. Lord, thank you that you came to do it in the world, inside of us. Lord, you came to end those things which cause sorrow and grief forever. And, Lord, we want to have that hope. We want to have that joy. Thank you that is available to us in Jesus. We embrace it today. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com.